0: Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming, and we are here to help you, our, visitors, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around you. And as always, you can wel- you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Several ways you can do that. Uh, primary way, we are on Facebook Live, we this video will also be on YouTube. So if you're watching by Facebook Live, please uh, share this video with all your friends. Uh, let them know that we are live and we are available and we, we want you to join in. Also, if you're watching by YouTube, we want you to hit that like button and subscribe and you can help us, uh, support us. Uh, you'll see the information in the um, description section on how you can support us in this uh, effort to do zero today. We appreciate you so much for all that you're doing. We appreciate everything all for watching. Thank you so much. Um, We, we thank you for joining. Um, We want to invite you again. If you have not uh, had the opportunity, we want to give you an opportunity to purchase your copy of our latest book. Uh, uh, reflections from the pastor study. This is our ladies, our latest book. Uh, there we go. Our latest book, and it's available on amazon.com. Uh, you can get it as a paperback, and you can also get it as a Kindle ebook for $5.99, paperback for $15. It's also available on my website, lorenzo You can go there and purchase your copy. Also, thank you for tuning in. Get your copy today, and also, um. You can also purchase uh, A Breach in the Family, my uh, last book. We invite you to do all of that. We're grateful for you tuning in. And um, this is Wednesday. This is Nurses Appreciation Week. This is Teachers Appreciation Week. And we are very grateful for those persons who serve in and i'm grateful for those who especially right now in this moment in in this this very 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 turbulent time of public education and education period um where uh, just yesterday there was another school school shooting and i believe one person was killed and another at least eight other persons injured in that shooting and um you know the school dynamic the school has changed and it's 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 sad that we are in this state of affairs here in the country uh but I know, and I'm convinced that it will be much much better with you know I believe we we're in for change now, but anyway, we're grateful, pray for those teachers and pray for those students um uh, I know a lot of students and teachers uh were preparing for uh, state testing uh, have done have completed state testing in some states. I know in Louisiana they did the leap, and um, in Mississippi they're doing testing. Uh, I think they may have just completed. I'm not sure. Um, but public education is 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 in a very bad state, and we are in need of teachers who are loving students and who are not only qualified but are also passionate, not just about The subject that they're teaching, but about the students that they're serving, whether they be serving in Title I schools or urban areas or rural schools or even in parochial schools and private schools, the same issues, you know, people are finding, we're finding the same issues in uh, school systems and schools today. So pray for those teachers. And to nurses, I love you, nurses. I love all of you who serve in the nursing field. I have relatives who are not just registered nurses, not just CNAs, not just LPNs, but they are also nurse practitioners and uh, physicians' assistants. All of those, and uh, they do a great job in that field, and it's still a growing in-demand field. I wish <laughs> I don't have the patience, honestly. I don't. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I wanted to be in. I wanted to go into medicine. And I majored in pre med up until my junior year in college. Actually, I was a pre med major, um, and I like I learned quite a bit. And I really appreciate those um, those who serve in that capacity. Um, my mother, before she was killed, was an LPN. She she was a nurse, and she gave love. She loved. She showed love and care. And I guess that's where I get my my caring side from. You know. From her and the fact that she served in that capacity. And so, uh, happy Nurses Appreciation Week, happy Teachers Appreciation Week, and whatever else week it may be. I just ap- appreciate everybody and everyone. Good morning, Ms. Shirley. Thank you for joining in. Um, we appreciate all of you for joining in and tuning in. Appreciate it so much. A uh, couple other things I want to get out of the way. Um, if you're in the Jackson, Mississippi area. I want to take this my, this time out to invite you to join myself and the New Bethel AME Church family on Sunday, May the 26th at 3 o'clock p.m. We will be hosting our annual Family and Friends Day, and I'm excited about that. Always a wonderful time uh, at our Family and Friends Day, and this year we're excited to have uh, Bishop Daniel Littleton, who is the uh, prelate, presiding prelate of the Southern First Jurisdiction of the Church of God in Christ here in Mississippi. And he's a brother beloved, and uh he's a, a wonderful man of God. He's a wonderful servant of God. And um, he's going to be our guest speaker for that program. So if you are in the Jackson Metro area, uh, if you're not, but you want to come, <laughs> we, are, we are open to you coming. Join us on Sunday, May the twenty sixth at three o'clock PM and uh for our family and friends day at New Bethel. I'll be excited seeing you there and I know you will have a wonderful time. And thank you so much. One last one last plug before I get into uh the show. Um I don't plug myself too much, but if you are in need of counseling and coaching, I, I want you to know I offer counseling and coaching to help you be a better your better self, to be your differentiated self. Um, and what it basically is, is helping you find that balance in your life, not just balance, but the, the emotional balance and all of the other things that can help you be a differentiated person. And you're going to learn more. I tell you, it's challenging. It's challenging to me. Uh, and I have coaching. <laughs> you know, I'm being coached as well as being able to, be able to provide that as well as pastoral counseling, you know, we are licensed, uh, counselors and, uh, we, our our training and, and doctoral education is in community counseling psychology with a pastoral emphasis. So we invite you to, uh, join us with that. And, and, uh, I can't think of any other plugs, but, uh, if you are interested in, uh, getting that service, uh, simply inbox me. uh, you get that information and I'll provide it to you. All right, so that's enough of the plugs for the day. Thank you again for joining. We appreciate you so much for tuning in. Um, So let's get right into the topic of the day. The topic of the day is differentiation of self and spirituality. I I don't know why it's hard for me to say that. Differentiation of self and spirituality. Uh I talk a lot about uh being self-differentiated, and that was the uh that was the primary research that I did in my doctoral program. My matter of fact, my dissertation is on differentiation of self and ministry satisfaction. Um so I I I, I have mastered and become a, an expert of sorts in this concept of differentiation of self. Now uh for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, differentiation of self is part of a family systems uh, uh, counseling methodology approach, and it was it was started by Murray Bowen in uh, mid to late 20th century, uh, and and his theory was basically it it, it, it was centered around family of origin and had eight concepts. Differentiation of self is one of those eight concepts. And differentiation of self is basically being able to be aware, not just self-aware, but uh, aware of your feelings, your attachments, and how those uh, affect your interpersonal relationships. So uh, a self-differentiated person is not overreactionary, um, is not so easily fused with someone else, or their opinion of themselves is not as affused uh, to what someone else thinks they should be. And um, you'd be surprised how many of us, because of our family of origin, we develop a very, very poor and unhealthy self-differentiation that carries over into our uh adolescence and our adulthoods. And I'm I'm be honest with you. I, I believe the the television industry has has basically exploited that in the black community. They have taken advantage of the fact that uh some of us are not well or healthily self-differentiated. So we watch these reality television shows where there's a lot of conflict and there's a lot of fighting and there's a lot of stuff like that. And the the shows are built off the drama of the interactions between the parties of the show, the people within the show. And it's good for entertainment. It really is good for entertainment. But the spectacle of entertainment is a reality for many, many many people in their families. And I can't tell you the number of families that I have ministered to who have such internal conflict. And it can be easily resolved when people just begin to uh, have dialogue and explore those family dynamics. And so many people don't want to, in the Black community, we don't want to explore the family dynamics. We don't want to go back too far. We know how Mama and Daddy may have been, and <laughs> we we know how we are, and we don't want to explore it any further because it may cause some type of pain or uneasiness or uncomfortableness. And there's nothing wrong with that. And in my role as a pastoral counselor, it is is my role to help you explore that, help you become acceptable, accepting of that, and uh, aware of it, so that you can better operate and have better interpersonal and intrapersonal relationships. That's what I do. And and you know the Bible encourages us, scripture encourages us to have healthy relationships. If we are to love our brother as ourselves, love our neighbors as ourselves, we must first know who we are as ourselves. The self is yeah uh Getting into the, the psychological and the philosophical aspects of the self and and I wrote about this in my uh my research and I also wrote about it a little bit in my book a breach of the family. You can get that by the way here I have a copy available <laughs> um, but i I explore the dynamics that cause what I talked about in the, the my my uh the book a breach in the family. There there are, there are certain things that we just don't want to broach as family members regarding ourselves. And I, I see it even with my own personal relationship with my siblings and with um, with, with with my siblings that I, I'm like, you know, some stuff I don't want to know. When it comes to my father, some stuff I don't want to know. And I'm okay with the ignorance. And, and I may believe ignorance is bliss, but... Eventually, you know, just as when we go to the doctor and they ask, they ask about our family history, health history, medical history, uh, a lot of times we don't – we are just plain ignorant about our family emotional history. Our families – you know, we, we see people we, – we know we had family arguments and all that stuff. We know there's always going to be one one family member that's going to always act up at the family reunion we always got that one uncle that one cousin and you know we black folk we always we had it it is' probably prevalent in white folk too but <laughs> but you know you know how it is, and um so we we just are not um encouraged to approach those and address those and and when we find that we don't address, we we have unresolved issues, angst, and all kinds of things that contribute to unhealthy interpersonal and intrafamily relationship. And um, so, what I want to talk about is along those veins because, uh, as a pastor, I believe the the the, the organized church in Constitutional church is not much more than a large family unit. And in that context, uh, there are certain things that are expected and that are placed upon us as believers, as church folk. Uh, and, well, and, and it's not just limited to the church, but in just about any organization, you'll find the same dynamics working. And maybe not to the extreme that they are working or appear to be seen working in the institutional organized church, but there are the same dynamics in any organization. You're, you're going to find those dynamics. But one of the things that I that's disheartening to me as I see people uh, leaving the church and as I see um uh that's what happens when you're doing life <laughs> in the office as I see people leaving the church and and leaving organized religion altogether, renouncing their faith we just had i just read of a pastor who who uh, who said that after forty years of being in the church, he has renounced the faith altogether he no longer uh believes in in God but he still believes in love Or something or he pursues love or something like That I can't re- recall the exact um, Words And I, and you can find that article On the Christian post And I think um, the And Brock with the old black church also Did a post about that But anyway this pastor Stated that after 40 years of being A Christian he has renounced his faith And, uh, and Because of that he You know he doesn't want to be in the ministry anymore. He doesn't want to do anything now. There was a counter argument said that he's unrepented of an affair that he may have had. I don't know how true that is, but it's disheartening to me when I hear of people leaving the organized church. And I I do understand why they would leave because the organized organized church is it can be a very terrible thing. <laughs> We, we 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 it's unavoidable because we are a collective group of people with our own flaws, whatever, and sometimes that does roll over into how we put our praxis, our faith in praxis, it worship, how we worship uh, is affected by who we are as an individual. That's just the way it is, you know. You don't change just because you are in a worship experience. You don't change. Briefly, you may be uh, out of your normal, but sometimes as soon as people start shouting, they go right back to being their their ugly self. (laughs) And that's just true. That's just true. They can be all slain in the spirit. Ah! They would be all slain in the spirit. And the moment they get back up, just their hair and their hat, They go right back to being that same individual. They they're not really truly affected by their worship experience, and um, so it's disheartening when I hear stories like that. But what, but I believe, and this is just me, I believe that while there's a purpose for the organizi- organized church, the institutional church, I believe that we should pursue. God passionately personally and when you have a passionate personal interaction and in relationship uh, relationship with God you know you find it's more liberating and sometimes that liberating that liberation and that liberating experience and relationship can come across as offensive to others and nonconformist but we got to understand nonconformity is the the praxis of Christianity, the entire praxis of Christianity is about nonconformity. When you go back and you read uh, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount and beginning of chapter 5 of Matthew and going on through chapter 7 of Matthew, you find Jesus teaching nonconformity. Specifically, he has an intera- a dialogue where he says, you have heard it said that you should do this A, B, C, Y. D, Z, you, know. <laughs> you have heard it said, do this. But I say unto you, do this. Do not conform to this. Actually, uh, abandon what you have been heard and what you have been taught. And Paul, in in a way, comes back and, in some ways, confers that confirms that. when he says, look, if anybody else comes to you teaching other than what I have taught you. You no, know, ignore them. Do away with them. You know, I, I, I want you to stick to what I have told you, and I have told you do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that uh that good, perfect, acceptable will of God. So being a Christian is all about non conformity. Being differentiated, self-differentiated is about being nonconformed. It's about being liberated. Now, you know, the liberation comes <laughs> not, you know, it, it comes not because you you're different per se. You don't behave differently altogether. You know, it's about how you interact, and that includes your emotional engagement, that ing- includes your uh or your you know soulful engagement, all of that. It it, it is inclusive of that. And when you uh differentiated it, uh when you're differentiated, you're able to basically get through and understand yourself um and and, and, and progress. Uh I'm they have not allowed the Holy Spirit to start the process of change in their lives. It's that form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Uh, Reverend Moore, uh, Elizabeth Ford Moore, thank you so much. You're absolutely right. It it is a form of uh, acknowledging God, but denying the power thereof. And many of, when we come to the church, when we come, when we become a convert of any religion, not just the Christian religion, and particularly not just evangelical, Western American Christian religion. When we become uh, a convert of any organized religion, be it Islam, be it Judaism, be it um, Christianity and its various uh, components and reformations, whatever it is, we are automatically placed in a point a position of conformity we are automatically told this is what it should be like this is re- we're restricted to this so you should look like this you should behave like this you should interact with others like this and if you do not then you are not a true person of this faith and we're seeing we're seeing it more now played out in uh Islam than in Christianity because the the various yeah, you know, Interpretations of scripture Particularly in the east And in Africa In large parts in Africa They're taking these extremes And they're manifesting it In violent ways And yes Christianity Did the same thing too We just had the earlier start to it we just had an earlier start to it you know we had thousands of years and hundreds of years before Islam came out where we were able to (laughs) master this idea of conformity and so when, when we look at differentiation from the perspective of not conforming to the organized or institutional church it places us in a and the vicarious uh, places us in a, in a very, very peculiar place, because we, we have to find where we fit in, for one. Uh, and in my book, I talk about the four uh, hidden rules of the breach, and I uh, I draw that that from um, a book by uh, what's his name. Um, Charles Sloat, Donald Sloat, excuse me, Donald Sloat and his book, Growing Up Holy and Holy, Holy, H-O-L-Y, and Holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. He talks about four rules that we conform to, and I'm going to break these down to you right quick. The four rules, don't talk, do say, don't trust, do trust, don't feel. Do feel don't want, do want those are the four rules that um he says, keep us conformed to behavioral, emotional, and all other kinds of practices in in our spirituality in in the organizing institutional church, for example, the first one when he says, Don't talk, do say." you, It's basically, it's like, you know, you know what you're going on, you know what you see in the religious experience and religious traditions that you may uh, be a part of, and you are not to critique those. Those are sacred cows, you just fall in line with them. And the moment you begin to make the observation that, okay, some of this may be unhealthy for me. Or some of this may be unhealthy for our collective group. Some of this may be unhealthy altogether. Let's see if we can, you know, you know <laughs> find a way to, to better do this. And instead they say, nah, uh-uh, don't say it. Don't say it. Keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. Whatever you see, whatever whatever you hear, keep it to yourself because this is about conforming this is about this is about making sure that you fit in and stay in and again if we are going to follow the model of Jesus of Nazareth he did not conform even when his own disciples wanted him to when his own followers wanted him to when the Pharisees wanted him to he didn't he didn't and and it worked out for us in the long run because, you know, we now have the narratives to, to read that that show how his nonconformity benefited those who would follow him. And as he prayed in John 17, said, I pray for those who will believe based on the words of those who are now with me. And we are part of that, and we see the benefits now, but it ultimately led to his death. And you know that's it's a terrible thing. The other thing, the the other part is, um, let, let me let me read this real quick. Um, in my case, my family all but ignored the events leading to and resulting in my mother's demise. Uh, and my brothers and my disaster, it took nearly 20 years for, before any of us could actually talk freely and openly about the pain we experienced after my mother's death and her funeral. Uh, life was supposed to move on. The only problem we had uh, is that in the case of my family, my brothers and I reminded them of her. So they were always seeing her. They were always remembering her. and they were. You know, it was it was difficult. It was challenging to get past that. There was no doubt um, that everybody loved my mom, and everybody loved us as her children. But you know, it was still difficult addressing and speaking about the trauma from that event. So we didn't talk about it. You you didn't talk about it. You know, if you did talk about it, you just talked about uh, some happy moment or something like that um and in the church uh we're seeing this now in the church me too moment where now people are beginning to talk freely a little bit more freely about their experiences with church abuse and the fact that they experienced this and they they couldn't talk about it what they saw what they were experiencing then or what they knew what was happening then they could not talk about it, but now the environment is where they can talk about it, and and unfortunately, it, it's going way left. You know, is it, is bringing some liberation, is bringing some attention to very, very, some very, very messed up things that has occurred because of the institutional church sanctioning it or being complicit in its uh, happening. And so, uh, as they are speaking out, some are are. are, are pushing back on that. But we shouldn't push back. We I mean it we just have to be honest and acknowledge that this happened. This, this happened. This is happening. And I hope and I pray that it does not continue to happen. But you know, history does have a way of repeating itself. The uh, second thing, do trust, don't trust, do trust. Don't trust yourself. This is a big thing in the in black church. Um, with the rise of prophets and apostles, there's this idea that that is is pretty damning and 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 hurting and condescending in my perspective. Those people who say that you as a layperson cannot hear from God like I can hear from God don't trust your personal spirituality but trust my person trust my trust the fact that i'm a prophet i'm an apostle i'm a pastor i'm a minister i have this authority based on me by my uh ordination credentials and because of that you should trust me but don't really trust your own personal interpersonal your own personal relationship with the lord have little trust in that that's dangerous I had to catch myself as a pastor when I when I began to see that I was uh, expecting the people to trust me more than their own study. And yes, I'm trained. Yes, I'm credentialed. Yes, I've gone through school to learn how to uh, properly exegete scripture and all that stuff. And yes, I, I I you know I know the languages. Yes, I know context and all that stuff. But if I don't have a prayer life, it means absolutely nothing if I don't spend enough time really reading uh, the scriptures for myself, without having to prepare for a sermon, to just go through the stories and allow the stories to bring me into reflection. Uh, then it's meaningless. We shouldn't we shouldn't be telling folks don't trust themselves. Now I now here's the caveat to this. Here, here's this is that yes there have been a lot of bad movements from people who unfortunately thought they were hearing from God and led a lot of people astray history goes throughout it we we go back as far as the 2nd 3rd century you know when as as Christianity was still evolving and there were many many movements and Paul addressed this in scriptures. You know, there's some people there were, and Paul stated, uh, and and uh, Second Corinthians, there were some people who were preaching the gospel to make him feel bad, make him look bad. Was not Philippians? So I don't. But there were people preaching to make him feel bad and thinking that by saying this they were going to, you know, do more harm. But instead, they brought people to Christ. So, so the caveat to the, uh, to that is that yes, there are individuals. Who, you know, because we preach this, the, the, this the idea of individual priesthood, the priesthood of all believers, that everyone, uh, because the veil has been torn, and everyone to, can now enter the holy of holies for before the Lord for he or herself, him or herself. There are people who, you know, will take that and manipulate it, and they have done it. And one of the prohibitions that the Roman Catholic Church had on education for uh, public education uh, during the early parts of uh, their their movement. Why, why the church, why the clergy and the uh, aristocrat, the nobles were the only ones who were able to be educated was because they had the understanding that if people learn, if they learn how to read scriptures, they're going to begin... To not obey they're not going to listen to us there you know and and luther when he when he translated the, the scriptures into german and made it available for all the germans it was it was changing i mean it was it was it it did something but it also spawned something so what we what we got from the Reformation you know, beginning with Martin Luther going on to Zwingli and Calvin and uh the reformation of the in 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 the English church and even the continuing reformations that we're seeing today is it is the fact that there are persons who, you know, have access to scriptures and some may have a fluent understanding, some may not have any understanding there. You know, that's why there's some who are King James only <laughs> and if it ain't King James, it ain't it. <laughs> and then there are others who are like, well, I just gonna you know, I I believe part of it and I believe uh the less literal, uh, take it less literal and just make it more, you know, metaphorical and, and all that stuff. So I'll use scriptures as inspiration, but I won't use it as 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 a uh source of literal <laughs> I don't know my bishop has to say, I'm just saying what I'm saying, I don't know what I'm saying, I'm just saying what I'm saying, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so the idea of don't trust, do trust, uh, don't trust yourself with your spirituality, trust me, and conform to what I say you should do, and you'll be, you'll you'll be all right, the problem with that is that If we begin that process of conformity, it's hard to disconnect ourselves from that uh, conformity. When I became, when I started ministering as a little kid, um, the first thing the older preachers told me was how I should dress. And I should never enter the pulpit without a shirt, tie, and jacket, suit on, right? And to this day, it is very difficult for me to not conform to that. You know, it's very difficult for me to even walk into a church building dressed like I am today. It took me a long time to get to the point where I could walk into a church casually. I'm serious, it's, it's, and even now, you know, it's very rare, very, very, very rare for me not to have on at least a shirt and a tie, or at least a shirt without a tie that's buttoned up, you know, a buttoned up tie. Um, and and then when I became an A.M.E. Um <laughs> when I had to learn how to do this thing called AME with the polity of the church. And I tell you, when I conformed, I conformed. I mean, I was I was, hey, we ain't changing nothing now. We can adapt and you would give we have a little freedom, but we're AME. <laughs> and little by little I'm learning that I've been more my 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 whole the whole of my ministry had been more identified with my denomination, that my relationship. And, you know, <laughs> nothing wrong with that, but if your entire ministry is is based on the denomination or the reformation that credentialed you and you conform to that and that's it, you know, it, you're so rigid, it, be you apostolic, be you Pentecostal, be you Koji, be you Baptist or be you whatever you is, that's, a, that's not a healthy sign. It's not healthy. It's okay. It's okay, but it's not healthy. Um the other thing, the third thing, don't feel, do feel. And uh let me read you an excerpt. Um when they're, in, in home environments where they there's the don't talk, do talk, or, you know, don't say, do say, in environments like that, there's also this don't feel, do feel. Uh in Western Christianity particularly in evangelical Christianity, we're finding this real very, very very distinct. This is probably the one of the most distinct things about Western American Christianity is the 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 conformity to what you should be feeling should be for should be against uh and that's abortion, that's uh same sex attraction. Those are the two primary things. I'll just stop right there. Those are two things right there: abortion and same-sex attraction. If we, <laughs> if there's nothing else, that that is very, very disenfranchising when it comes to self-differentiation and the spiritual uh, aspect of it in the organizational institutional church. It's the fact that we have been told how to feel regarding others. And their identities and their behaviors, and it has been very unhealthy and matter of fact, I believe that's probably been the biggest contributor to the decline, both morally and numerically of the church uh because we have said, "Don't see and don't feel and, and, and don't act," and all of that stuff when we begin to say, you should feel this way about a certain issue. Not only when it, and don't infuse the political aspect in it, but just from talking about from the moral aspect, you know, the ethical and moral aspect, uh, imperatives of this. Because we believe our morals are influenced by our religious identities and belief systems and value systems that are all under um, uh, influenced by scripture as we as we believe it to be. Uh, and what we find ourselves, what we find uh what we find, what well, what I what we find is that we try so hard, even if we disagree, we try so hard to find a way to agree with that, to find a way to embrace it, so that we will not feel left out. We may, you know, we know, and this is where the cognitive dissonance of of the organized organized church really comes into play. Because we know Scripture says love, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. We know the Scriptures in First John says that he who says he loves God and hates his brother cannot be a, a, a follower of God, cannot enter the kingdom of heaven and all of that. We know what the Scripture says, and yet sometimes we promulgate the very... Uh, Antithesis of that very same thing. They say they determine who we should love and who we should, what we should feel passionate about. We should feel passionate about, you know, uh, the homeless. We should feel passionately about education. We should feel passionately about uh, all these things. And we should be more passionate about saving lives of babies. But we should not feel as passionate about you know, saving the lives of persons who may be on death row or those persons who may have committed a crime against someone else or, you know, I don't even want to get down there, but the church has done a, a wonderful job of telling us how we should feel about things and wh- how we should not feel about things or people. Um, and, and for those who argue that for black Americans, for those of us who are black and who are Christian, those who will argue, well, Christianity is a white man's religion anyway, and the white men use Christianity uh, uh, as justification for slavery, and that argument is, is a valid one. You can't You can't discredit the argument. However, we must be able to differentiate the argument from the scripture and from the praxis because again when 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 we're talking about differentiation being healthy enough to be able to know and be aware of who you are how you feel and how those feelings affect your interactions with someone else when it comes to the institutional church the organized church the spiritual life altogether it is a key component to know that if we're going to adhere to the scripture that says love is this, love your neighbor, and all that stuff, then we cannot subscribe to anything outside of that component and that you know, with that perspective. I love to hear your thoughts. Uh, 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 the word of God is true; is our measuring rod. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Uh, More, it, it is our measuring rod, and for many within the organized church, and I'm speaking again in, in very generalizations, generalized means. But for most of us, we simply have bought into the idea. Especially if you are, if you were in a holiness tradition, and by holiness tradition, I, that, that is inclusive of the Wesleyan tradition which I am a part of. And if you were a strict Pentecostal background, you were you were automatic. It was drilled in you. It was drilled in you, and we're seeing that in also in uh, what some would deem fundamental uh, fundamentalist uh, Baptist churches, like the Southern Baptists, and a lot of them, uh, you know, or nobody just put it in some fundamental fundamentalist Christian uh, faith communities. They that, that also expressed. the thing about it is, for us to be healthy, we must be differentiated. For us to have a more rewarding and more fulfilling spiritual life, it's definitely more liberating spiritual life. We must be liberated. The last one, um, I want to. And did I skip one? Let me see. Uh, don't want, do want. Um, what did I say about this one? I don't even think I talked about that one in the book. But the don't want and do want it's very similar to the do, don't feel do feel. Don't want the world stuff. Don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the world. You're renewing the mind. And now this has crept up. You know you should want to to be wealthy and healthy and all of this stuff. But you know I've run out of steam. <laughs> but but here's the thing. As as a pastor. Is my goal and my hope for those that I minister to regularly, more consistently, at the place where I serve, for them to get to the level of differentiation within their individual self and with their, uh, with our collective body self, so that we function better, as as Charles Wesley said wrote in the hymn, um, A Charge to Keep Our Head. I have. He he writes the line to serve the present age, our calling to fulfill, or oh, may it all my powers engage, may it all my powers engage to do my master will. Oh, may it all the entirety of myself, the entirety of us as individuals. May it all my powers engage to do my master's will. Um Paul Tillich, um Christian. Philosopher, existentialist, and and uh, theologian, um, who I draw a lot of my inspiration from, um, along with Dr. Martin King. And I, I I think I said in the last broadcast, uh, Dr. King drew so much inspiration from Paul Tillich in his understanding of the necessity for that component of knowing uh, who we are, where what our existence contributes to the essence of our faith. And uh, for those like myself who are ex- existentialists by by thinking, we, we, we understand that if we are too conforming in our faith, it creates a nihilistic perspective. By nihilist, it means we live a dreadful life. And dreadful can be in a, in a bad sense as well as in a in a good sense. We live in a, in a bad sense. It's a dreadful existence in that we are so conformed to the religious experience only that it negates our interpersonal life. So we don't spend as much time working on ourselves to have a better relationship with others. We spend all our time working on ourselves so we can get to heaven and getting to heaven. <laughs> what the song say everybody talking about heaven ain't going there? <laughs> and so if we spend the vast majority of our Christian existence bettering ourselves with the hopes of only getting to heaven, then we in turn live with that nihilistic thing, like this is just too hard, too burdensome, I can't do it. And we put more burdens on ourselves trying to make our lives more conform to what we believe is the image of Christ, but it's really only the image of the invisible church, not the invisible God. Christ was the, as Paul writes in Ephesians, Christ was the image of the invisible God, or is that Colossians? Yeah. God, christ is the image of the invisible god but we are not conformed to the image of christ we're being conformed to the image of the invisible church whatever that may be for roman catholics it's the institutional church where i just go let the priest do whatever he does and i get out you know i do my thing and i'm gone and for those of us in Protestant faith it's a variation of those things and and conformity to, to the idea the ideal system of church so we can have church all day. We're going to church. Oh, we had church. And yet our impersonal personal lives are no better because we are not, not only are we not addressing ourselves, but we are not having the ability or the capacity to interact with others, to draw them to Christ. We're turning them away. And the good thing about the dread of the existence is that we know that this is fetal. Life is vapor, it is. We're like grass, we grow up today, and then we are cut down. And in that sense, we know that for the few moments of our life, the existence that we have should be meaningful enough for us to indulge in a relationship with the created, the creator, and the created. Paul Tillich states that our faith is that which is of ultimate concern to us, and when we take out of the constraints and conformity of the religious system of the church, then we find that thing which drives us the most to serve God and others the most, that thing which is our ultimate concern, frees us from the dread of this life's futile existence. Frees us from the moments we know that one of these days we're gonna die. And while I love the preacher, one of these old days. Uh, some glad morning, mm, I'm fly away. Yeah, one of these old days. Yeah, y'all didn't know I could do that, did you? <laughs> but, uh, but that—that's what we should be about. Differentiating, differentiation of self should be. Can be rewarding, not just for your interpersonal relationship with your family of origin, with your with your siblings, with your children, with your spouse. It, it's very rewarding uh, in that capacity. But within the organizational church, for us to be better believers, for us to be better witnesses and evangelists, we must not conform. We must differentiate. We must be differentiated, because when we are differentiated. We're not concerned about anything else. We don't react to what folk think about us we don't We don't have this fused relationship based on identity or what people think we should be and we don't get mad when folk find out we're not who we are, who they think we are. <laughs> we don't get mad at ourselves when we find out we are not who we think we are so and Life Force Gump, That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> again, before I want to thank all of you for tuning in um, and listening. Thank you so much uh, for the comments. I appreciate it. Uh, again, share this video with your friends. If you're this is Facebook Live, so share it with your friends. Invite them to join us. If you are watching by YouTube, hit the like button, wherever the side that's on, hit the like button, hit and subscribe to the show. Um, We're trying to do as much as we can, and in, in the description you'll find information on how you can support me and continue what we do. it. And by Facebook Live, you can simply inbox me, and I'll give you the information on how you can support me. Uh, you can also go to Patreon. I'm a patron. You can become a patron and support me there for as little as a dollar a month, and you'll have opportunities to get a lot of stuff. Also, I want to again encourage you, if you have not done so, I want to encourage you to get your copy of my latest book. Uh there it is. Get it. It's available on Amazon Prime. Uh I'm Amazon. <laughs> You've got Prime is available there. Amazon for paperback for $15. Also as a Kindle ebook for $5.99. Go ahead and do that. Um, and you can also order from my website, LorenzoTDeal.com. You can order it from there. And I just appreciate everything that you do. Um, thank you so much. I appreciate it, appreciate it, appreciate it. You guys have a great day. And happy Mother's Day in advance to all of you mothers and those of you who are surrogate mothers. Thank you for loving us who do not have their mother with us anymore. And y'all pray for me because this is going to be a tough one. This is going to be the first Mother's Day without my beloved grandmother. Um, I call her my mom because she was the only mother that I knew once my mother uh, made her transition. And I'm trying not to tear up right now, but uh, so we'll be celebrating that. It's also my grandfather's uh, birthday, so we'll we'll be home in Louisiana partying up for a little way, a little bit. We're going to have a good time and uh, <laughs> show him some love on his birthday on this coming Saturday. And um, uh, thank you so much for supporting all that we do uh, with uh, Zero today. We appreciate you so much. Continue to pray for us and lift us up and your thoughts and your support your financial support we thank you so much again if you are in the jackson metro area this is a this is a plug again uh may the 26 2019 at three o'clock we want to invite you to new bethel AME church for our annual family and friends day and uh, you're going to enjoy it you're going to enjoy it you're going to enjoy it and thank you so much for tuning in you guys have a great day and i am out of here god bless you